0: Everyone, this is Alia Bhatt. This is Padma Purnaghosh. Welcome back to another episode of Vaccinate India. Today we'll be speaking about the logistical challenges in trying to get as many people in the country vaccinated, as well as the role foreign vaccines can play in helping us overcome these barriers. Today we'll be speaking with Bachel Prabhala. He has written extensively on vaccine access and why it is most urgent to knock on every door in the country of the world. He will help us look at all the current vaccines that are available to us and the challenges of getting large populations vaccinated. And now let's go to Achal Prabala. Hello, Achal, and a warm welcome for you to Intersection. Would you mind introducing yourself to our viewers and listeners, please?
1: Delighted, to and thank you. My name is Achal Pravalla. I work on access to medicines. I've been doing this for about 18 years. The last year in the pandemic, I've worked on access to vaccines. So also within India and a little in Brazil, trying to see what we can do to sort out the extremely crucial pressing problem of not having enough vaccines.
0: The impression that we get from the demand for vaccine is that West is West. Of course, we have a vaccine from China, we have a vaccine from India, we have a vaccine from Russia. What is this discrimination and uh, where does it come from and should we be listening to this?
1: So firstly, all of us anywhere in the world, you know, there has been an effect where we've also been conditioned very strongly over the last few decades to almost accept without asking that anything new that comes along to save us from something comes from the West. In the pandemic, one of the things that happened really early on was extensive investment by the US government, the UK, and the EU into the research and development of vaccines. And those vaccine efforts hogged all of the limelight. By about August, uh, Sputnik V was making a lot of news. And towards the end of the year, there were two leading Chinese vaccine candidates. What we heard about these vaccines was that they they had been deployed irresponsibly uh, prior to interim results from phase three trials coming up. That struck me as odd because after phase two trials, what we know is that vaccines that that vaccine in question that's completed phase two trials successfully uh, is safe. We authorized uh, the use of Covaxin, which was made by Bharat Biotech, which is a similar kind of vaccine. It's an indigenous India product prior to interim results from phase three trials. So what the difference between the way Western vaccines were rolled out is that they waited one or two months into the phase three trials uh, to release interim uh, results from those phase three trials on the basis of which they sought an emergency use application on the basis of which they were then given out into the population in, in very large quantities. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's a very small sliver of difference between the way the Chinese and Russian vaccines were rolled out and the way Western vaccines were rolled out. But I think that issue was blown out of proportions. We looked at the data that existed around the way that they had operated in the world and um, uh, and wrote and spoke about that as much as we could because we thought that these vaccines deserve to be taken very seriously. Now, what is different about the way these vaccines were put out is that uh, not only were they serving parts of the world that no Western vaccine was willing to touch, right? And this is not even just the poorest countries, but many of the middle-income countries. So all of Brazil, a large parts of Latin America now are alive and are uh, doing some better than others only because of Russian and Chinese vaccines. Large parts of Eastern Europe, the same thing.
0: Why were the other Western vaccine companies, I mean, why was it anathema to go to these middle-income countries for them?
1: So when you look at, with the exception of AstraZeneca, because of its contracts in India, Who the other Western vaccine manufacturers are serving, it is to a degree between sort of 90 and 100 percent, only about 20 percent of the world that lives in the highest income countries. And the Western vaccine manufacturers have by and large only served those markets because they did not have the capacity or the time or the ability to serve anyone else. So that left a huge gap around the world. And Russian and Chinese vaccines stepped in to fill that gap. And they did so admirably. What they did was that they formed more partnerships. This makes me trust those vaccines better because what they did was they allowed that vaccine to be independently evaluated. So the way Sputnik was approved in India was through a massive trial, um, which the Indian drug regulator independently approved. They also transfer technology. And so Sputnik is being made now actually in India by six different uh, pharmaceutical companies and they're looking for more. It's a wholly different model. It's a very decentralized model, unlike the Western pharma model, which is extremely centralized.
0: So I know that there is a lot of bad press or what I would call bad WhatsApp about Sputnik vaccine in India. Could you tell us more about this vaccine and that this was actually tested on our population within our country by our regulators? Do we know how large the study was?
1: I think that the best way to do it is just to lay out the facts as they are. Until about two months ago, Sputnik had been approved in over 30 countries, and had published scholarly studies actually from the results of the phase one and two trials and the phase three trials in the Lancet, very well respected peer reviewed medical journal, which is taken seriously.
0: You know, looking at the kind of signals that Joe Biden has made uh, regarding waving the patents on the technology. What does it mean? Where do we go from here?
1: So in October of last year, South Africa and India floated this proposal. A proposal vehemently denied even for discussion by the United States government at that time and the Biden administration after it came in in January. What they signaled a couple of weeks ago when they announced support for beginning talks on a possible narrow trips waiver for COVID vaccines was a landmark moment. So the proposal asks for a suspension of all monopolies on everything related to COVID. So whether that's for a test kit or a mask or a treatment uh, like a steroid or uh, uh, a monoclonal antibody or vaccines. What the US is signaling is that it will begin talks for support for a, a COVID vaccine uh, patent suspension during the pandemic. So that's a much narrower thing and it's not actually useful and I'll tell you why You know, in the vaccine supply chain uh, anyone making traditional vaccines needs bioreactors which come with now single-use plastic bags and those single-use plastic bags are a highly concentrated market. There are literally two firms that make them. There's a huge shortage of them uh, and that's preventing the scale-up of these vaccines and those bags are surrounded by 2,800 patents. So when you say I'll just you know, remove uh, vaccine patents. Well, what about, you know, the stuff in the vaccine supply chain, right? Like, I mean, it has to be a broad patent waiver in order to work because it just simply won't otherwise do it. So this is not a useful conversation unless it includes those things.
0: would like to just touch upon quickly, what are the main causes for this patchwork map that we have of vaccine access? And what do we need to change to be more equitable? Towards all states,
1: the sort of highs of thinking, oh, we've escaped the pandemic, this is done. The government's thinking that people, and I'm thinking that honestly. And I should just say that you know, lots of blame directed towards the government. I thought that as well. It's not like we went out and immediately, you know, jumped into the pool with thousand people, but you know, we behaved as though we were over the worst of it. The AstraZeneca vaccine is ready in India. The government places its first order, right, for that vaccine. 10 million doses. A couple of weeks later, ups that to 25. A couple of weeks later, puts it another $25 million. It's, it's astonishing. On May 1st, when they opened up the vaccinations to 945 million people, they needed 1.9 billion doses of a vaccine for that population. And guess how much we had? We had less than 100 million doses on hand. We still have less than 100 million doses on hand. You know, essentially, what they did effectively was turn every vaccination site into a super spreader event. The way in which privilege works to get access to a vaccine is astonishing. I mean, the uh, I think what has happened now. Uh, I've heard better stories. I think about public health centers having a more stable supply of the vaccines in this shortage than some private healthcare centers. I'm actually really glad for it because they are better equipped. They are better ventilated because they're usually outside. Also, of course, they're offering the vaccine free and therefore you know serving their community a little better.
0: Does the vaccine or pharmaceutical industry have this kind of agility to immediately move? into vaccine production, is it better to fly them in? I think
1: that the answer is we have to do everything that we possibly can. I say this really personally now. I think I was saying this a little more theoretically uh, two months ago even. I mean, we've lost people we love. You know, this, It's not theoretical anymore. And I mean this really sincerely. What's happening in India, this kind of virulent resurgence, it can happen to any other unvaccinated society. It can happen to us again if we remain as unvaccinated as we are now. The Indian vaccine need is cutting off vaccines to every other country that depends on us from Southeast Asia to sub-Saharan Africa, where they have less, even uh, in the region of 1% of their countries are vaccinated. So what we really do need is billions of vaccines and we need to get them however we can. And the way I think about it is that the shortest term solution is for any country that's sitting on vaccine doses to send them away. When we talk about, you know, what is the capacity, the capacity is whatever we want it to be. This is what the pandemic experience has shown us. If you offer good technology out there in a spirit of generosity and cooperation, without even abandoning financial gain, you can charge licensing fees, you can, there are a variety of ways that you can make money off giving away your technology that people will take. There is an unprecedented hunger to make vaccines. We should really take advantage of that,
0: and we just have not. India has a mass immunization history if you talk about polio for instance we have gone through our system of PHCs and we have gone to every village, we have gone door to door I mean we have we have not even wanted people to come in, why can't we ride on that? They,
1: they don't actually have that equitable a history in the sense that uh, you know, the, the rates at which uh, some of these diseases like polio and others affected people depending on their income is actually not an incredibly pretty one. So I think vaccines have historically suffered from the same kinds of access inequities that we see to with other life-saving medicines. I think what happened though, was that they were seized upon as being a kind of magic bullet by uh, a number of different governments, simply because they work so well, you know, it's this kind of one-time thing that you do that takes care of you forever. And then a range of different uh, mandatory measures were created to encourage people to get vaccinated, right? So access to public health systems or facilities or benefits, for instance, are tied to having uh, a round of vaccinations that is literally, Uh, all but mandatory, right? And that's happening with COVID vaccines as well in countries that can do so. Meaning when you look at what vaccine passports are, or when you look at certain kinds of uh, employment mandates, for instance, in the United States now increasingly require vaccinations to to close the inequities. Because I think that in every society, not just India, it is privilege that actually gets you vaccinated. And we can see this in huge racial gaps, including in the West. The, The second stage of that is the sort of mandatory phase, which then promotes the vaccination in order to get the the people who have been left behind by the inequity in access.
0: Do we have a case study from the past where issues of messaging, access, equity in vaccine history were dealt with pretty well by a country or something that we could, draw upon as a good example of how we could have dealt with this
1: there are two fabulous cases i think Baba. um and mm. you know one uh, is the way that we get the flu vaccine which is through a cooperative network of 140 labs uh, operating across 110 countries they share intelligence on flu strains and then the who has a unit which collects all these things from national laboratories and then puts out the flu vaccine formula which then anyone can make as a result of which billions of doses of the flu vaccine, you know, from the United States to, to India and elsewhere, uh, very easily affordable and always available. A, a more interesting and pertinent example, I think, for now and for what this moment requires is the experience of penicillin. So as World War II was raging, penicillin was discovered, but it wasn't mass manufactured in the UK. What happened was the technology was carted over to America. The Roosevelt administration, which was in power at that time, created this incredible government and private sector program to create ways to manufacture penicillin and then ramp it up. It's kind of the COVID vaccine of the 1940s. You know, It's the first major antibiotic that can suddenly cure a vast range of uh, uh, infections. So what they do is they suspend all monopolies, all patents are suspended, all companies have to share technology. So if one invents a better manufacturing process, they actually have to share that back with the government, who then shares it with everyone else making penicillin. So it's government labs, private companies, it's this incredible wartime effort. They ramp it up to some incredible amount, like 100 billion doses a day. You know, it's estimated to have saved close to a million American lives in the 40s. Um, But what it is, is it's a perfect example of a country like the United States with Extremely powerful private industry, even at that time, extremely precious private property rights and other things like we see now. That is is willing to put all of that aside and come together for a national emergency that they see very clearly: World War II, to do absolutely everything that it can, both with taxpayer money as well as uh, the willingness of you know society, in consisting of pharmaceutical companies and people. Uh, to be able to do this together. Now, of course, this is a romantic story. There might have been, you know, I'm sure objections and kinks in it that I'm leaving out. But the truth is, this happened, and you know, there is a way to be able to do this. Uh, this has happened before, and it can happen again. I really, truly, truly hope it does.
0: Right. Thank you so much, Achal. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, Padma. Thank you very much.
0: That was Achal Prabhula, strategic advocate for equal access to medicines and vaccines. Thanks for listening. And before you go, I'd like to tell you a little bit about Contagion, a science exhibition that has hosted guests such as Dr. Gagandeep Kang and Achal Prabhala. Contagion is an ongoing exhibition hosted by the Science Gallery, Bengaluru. Here's a bit more about them by the director of the Science Gallery, Bengaluru, Chandvi Phalke Hello, everybody. I'm Janvi Phalke, the founding director of Science Gallery Bengaluru. I'm here to talk to you about Contagion, our first fully online exhibition season. Contagion explores the transmission of ideas, emotions, behaviors, and diseases. All of this to help us make sense and understand a little more about the terrifying times that we are living through. Do visit our exhibition website at nowtransmitting.com. The Intersection Vaccinate India A series by Audiomatic.in and Eternal Sunshine Productions Hosted by padmaparna Ghosh Music by Josh Woodward